0: Hello my friends, welcome back to another clusterfuck of an episode of Recovering From Everything, a podcast for everyone who has ever had anything happen to them ever. How are you? How were the last couple weeks of your life? Mine were okay. If you follow me on Instagram at recovering from Everything underscore Kinga, you would have seen that I recently spent the weekend in New York City with my best friend and life partner Aaron we planned a trip this year to celebrate turning 40 and it was also the 50th anniversary of hip-hop so for those that know me you know it was one of the best weekends of my life it was super rejuvenating very just like Kinga and Aaron having a lovely time we also went roller skating at the Harlem Community Center which my dudes I cannot recommend enough like first of all the community property is right on the water there's a great snack bar the whole massive property is so well maintained it's fucking gorgeous but then roller skating cost us eight bucks two bucks for admission and six dollars for rental and they had music and they even had like roller skating teachers there if you like really, really can't skate. But that was such a fun addition to the trip and I'm pretty sure we were the most improved people in that building. The rink is outdoors um, but it's covered and like the view is beautiful and just like next time you're in New York City, it's like a must do activity. Also our hip hop show at Yankee Stadium was fucking incredible. And I was so excited for like almost all of the artists and everyone killed it. And there was like, you know, a hundred artists, not actually, but it felt like it. And like all they played was like their top, top, top hits. And then there was like surprise guests. It was just the cat's pajamas, the bee's knees. It was amazing I even dragged Aaron to the apartment building in the Bronx um, where hip-hop was born in like the rec room during this party in 1973 and like that was super special and there was other people there that had made the pilgrimage like the whole weekend was just just the best plus You know I drove there. And the drive down was great. And the drive home was great. And it was tunes. And I probably listened to like 25 murder podcasts. So I felt really, really, really great there and coming home. Which was a nice break from the absolute shitstorm of darkness that had otherwise been living inside me. Now. Now, I don't know if you're a believer, but there are six planets in retrograde right now. Okay. Six. Usually there's like none. Mercury goes into retrograde every couple of months, and, you know, some of the other planets here and there that we don't really feel as much, but right now there's six. So that's cool. All you need to know about retrograde is that it forces reflection upon us. Whether we are aware of that or not is, doesn't matter. I am someone that is aware. So I am someone that has cocooned myself. I've gone inward. Uh, as you know, I've spent the majority of the summer in a mental cocoon reflecting on my relationships Mostly my friendships, my biological family, and my relationship with myself within those connections. I have made great strides, great strides in some capacities. What I failed to reflect on, however, is my romantic relationship. What I failed to reflect on, rather, is how I am feeling about myself as I exist in my romantic relationship. Now like I kind of recognized that I wasn't feeling super great about myself and we'll go into why but I was just kind of living with those feelings like just going about my day feeling like I was actually not as lovable as my partner thinks I am and I didn't realize that these thoughts were becoming heavier and heavier so Somewhat inevitably, I had a breakdown, and I'm now recovering from an anxious attachment relapse. Dun-dun-dun! Let's unpack, shall we? Okay, so I don't expect the average person to know what I mean when I say anxious attachment, so I will give you the absolute basics of attachment theory, It's one of the coolest theories in psychology, I think, and has changed my relationship with myself and with others in so, so many important ways. I can't say enough good things about this theory and how much it's going to A, ruin your life at first, but B, help you start to have like the absolute best relationship with yourself and therefore with others. Okay. So, In the 60s and 70s, a few psychologists did these relationship tests on babies and their parents. So the tests are a little bit unsettling um, because they mainly have to do with how receptive a caregiver is to the baby's needs and how the baby reacts to their caregiver when they're there, when they're leaving and when they come back. Anyways, the more receptive, the more secure the baby will grow up to be, the less receptive the parent is, the more anxious or shut down the baby will grow up to be, okay? That's what you need to know. This is like the absolute most general and vague way I can put this. There is a billion other dynamics in there that are really interesting, but I'll add some links in the show notes to a couple podcasts that can help you learn more that I really like that I recommend to clients sometimes and obviously just Google it and at the very least read like the Wikipedia page or something. Okay, so as these babies grow up and depending on how receptive their caregiver is to their physical and emotional needs... As adults, we can be categorized into different attachment styles. And attachment styles, if you can visualize this, are the way we attach ourselves to various relationships in our lives. Mainly in romantic relationships, our attachment styles show up. So the secure attachment style in which the now grown adult is so fucking secure about themselves so they rarely take anything personally they are completely fine with setting boundaries they are they know in their heart of hearts that they are good and lovable and they're super comfortable sharing their feelings and all that lovely right like love this for them. Enjoy your secure attachment styles. But a whole bunch of us fall into the other attachment styles, either anxious or avoidant or like a fun, messy cocktail of both. So the avoidant attachment styles, avoidant attachment honestly hurts my heart because these people seem to not have any feelings. So as kids, they learn that feelings and needs were not acceptable or inconvenient and they weren't going to be consistently met. And so as adults, they literally cannot identify their feelings and couldn't tell you what they need from you if their life depended on it. So they've learned that, you know, you can't trust other people to meet your needs and that people are always trying to control you and so they are like hyper independent. What hurts my heart about this is that they are also longing for a safe attachment where they can feel seen and heard and loved and feel feelings and have needs and express them. But when they are confronted with that, they feel super overwhelmed uh, like they're drowning and then they have to pull away. They they deactivate, it's called. And they deactivate in so many ways. Getting avoidance to have a difficult conversation with you about the relationship is a fucking miracle. So if you love an avoidant and they stay for an entire argument, that person loves the shit out of you. Okay end this podcast here if you if that resonated with you so the anxiously attached people so anxiously attached kids probably had a lot of separation anxiety which i am an anxiously attached person and yes i had a lot of separation anxiety and sometimes still do uh which was also combined with regular anxiety, where I used to cry myself to sleep as a child because I was afraid of dying, like, and I did that like for years. Anyways, my separation anxiety—I could barely make it through a sleepover at a friend's house or any like extended amount of time away from my mom. Um, I I would just I would just be frantic, um, anxiously attached children as. Adults are always afraid the person they love is pushing them away. The person they love will go away. They will never come back. They won't want to come back. The person they love will just decide one day that they don't love you anymore and they're just going to peace out. So this is like our baseline. The main idea we have when we get attached to someone. And so... To prepare for this supposed inevitability, we spend a fuck ton of time looking for evidence of this. Also, I have noticed with myself that different relationships bring out different attachment styles. So in romantic relationships, I tend to be anxious. Unless that person is also anxious and then I become avoidant, you know? Either way, both attachment styles are insecure and it takes me a long time to form what I feel like is a secure attachment with other people. I don't trust easily. Mostly though, and lately, I am anxiously attached. So I have had to work my fucking ass off on the relationship I have with myself to be more secure. Advocating for myself, meeting my needs, respecting myself, saying nice shit to myself, all that. So that I am not an anxious disaster in my current relationships. And the The more that I value the relationship, the more potential there is to be a huge, anxious disaster in that relationship and just blow it all up. Anyways, this has been years of this, but also years of working on this, okay? And typically, I do pretty well. I don't have major relapses like frequently but i do have like minor relapses where it's like i'm 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 not on a good path right now i need to like i need to shut it down i need to shut it down so uh, a minor relapse which for an anxiously attached person is called a protest behavior okay the ways that i protest are i will pull away as a way to like punish my partner for like not returning a text fast enough or if the tone is slightly different and like I'm I'm hyper aware of these things so you bet your ass I notice that if my partner or someone I really really love has used like a slightly different tone like yes I noticed that It's a trauma response and one that I actually kind of love because I am just hyper aware of everything around me, but it's kind of a lot for my nervous system to like always be preparing for the worst and looking for evidence that the worst is about to happen. It's like kind of exhausting. But again, again, I've been really great at noticing this and, and nipping it in the bud and also deprogramming it for the last few years and just being like way more secure in myself like like I've been really good at this mostly and except for the last few weeks because I kind of let that slide a bit Mm, I kind of let that slide a lot so if you suspect you may be an anxiously attached adult you need to know that you will overreact to a perceived separation. That might sound like psychology woo-woo, but like really listen to those words. We will overreact to a perceived separation. Not a regular reaction to a separation that has just occurred, A massive, giant reaction to a separation that has not happened. You feel me? So last week, after probably four to six weeks of not feeling great about myself in my romantic relationship, I noticed I was like really frustrated with my partner. Also, occasionally, I was kind of a dick to him. That protest behavior, right? and then when he was like um what the fuck not in actual words but i could hear it in his tone i was like see he is getting sick of me i fucking knew it also i felt like really anxious to make plans with him like like i needed it and i would get angry just on the inside though when he didn't make plans first. Now, he's an avoidant. So I imagine his spidey senses are trained to feel the pull of someone needing something from him. And his baseline is to feel overwhelmed by that. But this man has been working on himself too. So he's like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll come for dinner or whatever. Okay? And like, he actually comes for dinner. Me, on the brink of an anxious relapse, feels like a burden. He doesn't really want to be here. He's just going through the motions, etc., etc., okay? This is all internal monologue. So, as he is leaving my house after this dinner, I'm like, again... I'm now so anxious that I will never see him again and I have put a lot of weight on having plans with him as a symbol of safety and security in the relationship. As he's walking out the door, I say, want to hang out on Saturday. He is literally walking out the door and he says, yeah, maybe I'll let you know. All I hear is maybe, maybe. So all the intense angry and scared thoughts of how can i plan a future with this man if he can't even commit to plans on the weekend he doesn't want to see me because he doesn't think i'm fun and honestly last week he's not wrong i was not super fun i don't blame him if he did have that thought He doesn't even like me. He's just going through the motions, but planning his escape. He fought to get back together and be better together, but realized he'd made a huge mistake and that I'm not as awesome as he made me out to be in his head. Like just some like really, really, really dark thoughts about myself, you guys, like really dark. And that's the thing about having these insecure attachment styles, either anxious or avoidant, is that it all comes back to how you see yourself. And the best mirror of how you see yourself is how you show up in a relationship, how you feel about yourself in a relationship. So I'll spare you some of the details of my very quick and steady decline into a full anxious relapse, but... It definitely culminated in my standing in his kitchen, sobbing, pointing my finger at him and saying, just admit it. Just admit that you don't want to be in this. You think I don't notice all of your signs, but I do. Just admit that you don't want to be together anymore. And this poor avoidant soul, keeping his shit mostly together, doing the things he hates the most in the world, confronting feelings, and now drowning in my tears, says this next sentence. This is why I love this man. This next sentence is why relationships are so helpful to your own healing. The sentence that calmly came out of his mouth was, Kinga, the only person in this room talking about not being together is you. You know, in your life, there are some sentences that when you hear them, they just shatter the reality you were so sure of. Like they just change you in the moment. They, you know, break down the truth that you were so sure was fact. This was one of those moments. The reality that I had been so wrapped up in, the reality I was gathering all this evidence to prove its truth, disappeared was invalid fuck he was right and it's strange because in other relationships i'm pretty aware of how i'm showing up in the moment it doesn't always change the way i behave in the moment but i fairly quickly can hone in on how i'm feeling and why and like sometimes I can even laugh at myself and be like, oh my gosh, my anxiety is so triggered right now. Like, oh my gosh, that just made me feel so anxious. Or like, oh my God, I feel like an elephant just sat on my chest. Like, ha ha, la 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 But in the past couple of weeks, I have accepted everything I thought to be a fact. And in the past few days, doing an inventory of my thoughts from the past few weeks There's some alarming stuff, you guys. Some alarming stuff. For starters, I've been really mean to myself about my physical appearance. I've also been focusing on the ways in which I feel like a burden. I have also been focusing on how much he does for our relationship and how little I do. I've really just been focusing on myself, to be honest, very self-centered, very angry very angry and looking to fuel that anger a lot and it's all fear like i know that the old anxious fear that the person i love will just get up and walk away and never return because i suck so okay how do i recover from this how does one climb out of an emotional rock bottom I really like to use the term right size. I use it a lot with my clients, but I'm not sure if I've used it on this podcast. The idea of right sizing myself is a process of both mental expansion where I need it and mental deflation where it's just a dark mess or where my ego has made a little home. I have to like deflate that. An image of that. Would be like you know if there were if there were two balloons and they were really um, uneven in size. I need to take some of the air out of one of those balloons of thought and put air into the other balloon to make them a little more even. If that makes sense, and. I need to be conscious that my ego will kick in at some point in an attempt to protect me from having even more negative thoughts about myself. And my ego says, focus on how the other person is wrong and how they suck and how they're bad at relationships. So like to right size myself, I have to acknowledge what about my discomfort is valid and what is just a major overreaction to a perceived separation and this takes effort and writing and picturing balloons you know and time and I hadn't been doing any of that and Because I've been so consumed with the big job of finding evidence that I'm unlovable and that I suck, I have really, really been focused on myself. Like I've just had my head so far up my own ass that I was drowning in my own shit and couldn't see that there's like a whole other real life person in this relationship. And that person is becoming a casualty of my little burst of low self-esteem, you know? So part of the work I'm doing is to actually listen to the thoughts I have about myself and look for evidence to the contrary and, and very specific evidence. And now that I'm out of that dark spiral, it's pretty easy the the hard work is when I'm in it and I'm accepting my thoughts as facts, but that's really when I should have pumped the brakes. There's definitely something to be said about how you see yourself and how much fear that can bring up. Like I said, relationships are the best mirror for how you really feel about yourself and I am a person who works hard, probably more than the average person. I would guess some out of necessity, but some because I actually enjoy doing this work, but I work really hard at self-awareness and valuing myself and my needs and protecting myself for sure. But it is clear that there is some stuff that still lives in the shadows. Of course there is. I think that's pretty normal. And this was a really great lesson for me. And it only took about two weeks to learn, which, I mean, it takes me years sometimes to learn some lessons. So this is, this is a win. This is a win. But what I do like to do is write myself a long-ass love letter, like a real love letter. Like, think of someone that you are like, absolutely obsessed with and like writing that person a love letter that's how you're treating yourself so the love letter is great while i'm in a dark space but it's also great to recover from allowing myself to be in a dark space for the last couple weeks it's great for forgiveness of myself It's great for even just expressing love in different ways and really learning how to articulate all the different parts of a person and all the different parts of me. So a love letter to myself might sound something like, my dearest Kinga, you are hot as fuck and you are totally trophy wife material. Kinga, you are so fucking funny and fun, you are a light in my world, you are my favorite person to hang out with, my darling, you are smart, independent, you are so connected, you are one of the most lovable people I have ever met, your mistakes are adorable and endearing and the energy you put into recovering from them is truly remarkable. You are passionate and the people you love are so lucky to be loved by you. Things like that, like a true, true love letter. But I will say, one of the most important things I learned about attachment styles is that the cure is also the most difficult thing to implement. The cure is to develop a secure attachment style with yourself, right? Like the love letters, like having boundaries, like honoring my needs, et cetera, et cetera. For anxious people, it's to learn how to self-soothe, which if you've been listening to this episode can take weeks. And for avoidant people, it's to learn to identify and accept your feelings and needs. But you basically have to actively love on yourself and to meet the needs that you have that weren't met before and this can be excruciating because it is our instinct is to look at someone else's behavior but if we reel ourselves in for a minute and come back to yourself is the majority of your problem just of your own making you know are you having a burst of low self-esteem right now maybe you know it's so fucking hilarious in all of this as I process things out loud and as I become more aware of how I behaved in the past couple of weeks and like some of this shit I'm like oh my god like who was that person oh no my partner still thinks I am fucking perfect like <laughs> isn't that the best like I emotionally tortured this man for like 20 minutes of tears uh, plus one week of sulking. And he's just like, yep, that's my girl. There is one thing that you should know about avoidant and anxious relationships. Well, a couple of things, I guess. Avoidance and anxious people are attracted to each other. Fun, right? In like a, like a sexy mental torture way. Avoidants are attracted to the anxious person's ability to wear their hearts on their sleeve and express things so freely and the depth at which we experience intimacy they love that scares the shit out of them but they love it and anxiously attached people are attracted to the control and the calm and the independence that avoidance have again makes us fucking crazy but we really admire it deep down these pairings are so common that it even has a name it's called the anxious avoidant trap because as much as the person's qualities make us super fucking uncomfortable to the point that we want to crawl out of our skin we do admire and respect and love these qualities the other person has the qualities that we are missing And the only way that it's not an anxious avoidant trap, the only way that this can work is if both people are working on becoming more secure within themselves. Two people work on themselves and it ends up benefiting the relationship. What a concept. Thanks for listening to another episode of Recovering From Everything, a podcast for everyone who has ever had anything happen to them ever, even relapsing on an attachment style you thought you'd healed, but turns out you were just ignoring it. Love you. Actually, love yourself, but I love you too. And Google attachment styles. You won't be sorry. Well, you will, but then you won't. Okay, I'm hanging up now.